0: part 7 chapter 1 of the life of florence nightingale volume 2 this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org the life of florence nightingale volume 2 by edward tyus cook out of office literary work continued four and five a few days after the appearance of miss nightingale's first paper in fraser mr mill died of a local endemic disease at his house near avignon she was profoundly moved miss nightingale to julius mole may twenty eighteen seventy three john stuart mill's death was a great shock to me mr grote used to say of him talk of mill's logic why he is thrilling with emotion to the very finger-ends that is just what he was now speaker and subject are both gone he said at mr grote's funeral with an agony of tears we might have kept him ten years longer and now we say of himself with tears we might have kept him for ten years longer he was only sixty-seven he was always urging me to publish. He used to say, with the passion which he put into everything he did say, I have no patience with people who will not publish because they think the world is not ripe enough for their ideas. That is only conceit or cowardice. If anybody has thought out anything which he conceives to be truth, in heaven's name let him say it i did not answer that letter i thought that this year i have left much of the india and war office work and much of it has left me i would resume with john stuart mill and do as he told me i put the article in fraser's magazine which i now send you to please him and now he is dead and will never know that i intended to do what he wished he used to say tell the world what you think your experience it will probably strike the world more than anything that could be told it he quoted my stuff in his book which he ought not to have done i published my book on socrates mother partly to please him it was a very odd thing it was a subject he had taken up he was president of a society for that when he was in england till a fortnight before his death i could not find his address i was so overwhelmed with business and illness i did not know he was going away and i did not send him this book and now he is dead and will never know but i scarcely regret his death he was not a happy man he was a man who was so sure to develop very much in a future life he had queer religious notions did not believe in a god or in a future life but believed in a sort of conflict between two powers of good and evil i remember showing you one of his letters and you said it was just like zoroaster but he was the most truly liberal man i ever knew if it were for the cause of truth that he should be defeated he would have liked to have been defeated and now he is dead and we shall never see his like again it was characteristic of miss nightingale that she entered into correspondence with mr chadwick on the sanitary state of mr mill's house and the climatic conditions of provence in may mr chadwick had to put himself right in her eyes by explaining that he had not been consulted by their friend on those subjects and had never been invited by him to avignon Five, other literary work which occupied miss nightingale a good deal at this time was undertaken either to help mr jowett or in accordance with his advice he had urged her to work out her notion of divine perfection, and her theory of the family in relation to sisterhoods and other forms of association. Miss Nightingale wrote essays accordingly on what is the evidence that there is a perfect God, on what is the character of God, and on Christian fellowship as a means to progress. The gist of the latter essay may be given in a letter of an earlier date miss nightingale to benjamin jowett july eighteen seventy i think that faraday's idea of friendship is very high one who will serve his companion next to his god and when one thinks that most nay almost all people have no idea of friendship at all except pleasant juxtaposition it strikes one with admiration Yet is faraday's idea not mine my idea of a friend is one who will and can join you in work the sole purpose of which is to serve god two in one and one in god it almost exactly answers jesus christ's words and so extraordinarily blessed have i been that i have had three such friends i can truly say that during the five years that i worked with sidney herbert every day and nearly all day from the moment he came into the room no other idea came in but that of doing the work with the best of our powers in the service of god and this though he was a man of the most varied and brilliant conversational genius i have ever known far beyond macaulay whom i also knew this is heaven and this is what makes me say i've had my heaven the two other friends with whom in former times she had been a fellow-worker were arthur clough and her aunt mrs smith miss nightingale's other essays led to much correspondence with mr jowett but as they failed to come up to his standard they were laid aside many of her letters to him were themselves almost essays extracts from one or two consecutive letters will show the kind of discussions into which miss nightingale loved to involve her oxford friend and upon which he was nothing loth to enter benjamin jowett to miss nightingale torquay september twenty ninth eighteen seventy one i must answer your letter by driblets when you admit that a part of the witness of the character of god is to be sought for in nature how do you distinguish between the true and false witness of nature for we cannot deny that physical good is sometimes at variance with moral for example in marriage the sole or chief principle ought to be health and strength in the parents whether with or without a marriage ceremony in other words plato's republic i mean on physical principles or again the laws of physical improvement would require that we should get rid of sickly and deformed infants and if as huxley would say you reconstruct the world on a physical basis you have to go to war with received principles of morality i suppose that the answer is you must take man as a whole and make morality and the mind the limit of physical improvement but it is not easy to see what this limit is because men's conceptions of morality vary and although we may form ideals we have to descend from them in practice therefore i do not agree with you in thinking that there are no difficulties although the old difficulties about origin of evil, etc., are generally a hocus of theologians. Miss Nightingale to Benjamin Jowett, Leehurst, October three, eighteen seventy-one. I am quite scandalized at your materialism. I shall shut up you and Plato for a hundred years in punishment in another world till you have both obtained clearer views is it for an old maid like me to be preaching to you a master in israel that even on physical principles there are essential points in marriage to turn out the best order of children which being absent the perfection of health and strength in both parents is of no avail even for the physical part of the children and might i just ask one small question whether you consider man has a little soul if he has ever such a little one you can scarcely consider him as a simple body an animal or even as a twin the soul being one twin and the body the other but as all one the soul and the body making one being although only in this sense if you do at all events god does not and consequently he makes a great many more things enter into the physical constitution even of the children than the mere health and strength of the parents my son really plato talked nonsense about this take a much more material thing than the producing of a bad or degenerate family or race take a railway accident what are the laws therein concerned you have by no means only to consider the physical laws the strength of iron the speed of steam the smoothness of rails the friction etc etc but you have to consider the state of mind of directors whether they care only for their dividends so that the railway servants are underpaid or overworked etc etc you quote huxley he is undoubtedly one of the prime educators of the age but he makes a profound mistake when he says to mankind objects of sense are more worthy of your attention than your inferences and imaginations on the contrary the finest powers man is gifted with are those which enable him to infer from what he sees what he can't see they lift him into truth of far higher import than that which he learns from the senses alone i believe that the laws of nature all tend to improve the whole man moral and physical that it is absurd to consider man either as a body to be improved or as a soul to be improved separately as to the laws of physical improvement requiring that we should get rid of sickly and deformed infants they require that we should prevent or improve not that we should kill them that would be to get rid of some of the finest intellectual and moral specimens of our human nature that have ever existed and even were this not the case the heroism the patience the wisdom of our race have been more called forth by dealing with these and the like forms of evil than by almost anything else the good of man in its highest sense cannot be attained by neglecting one set of laws or one aspect of man's nature and cultivating another I entirely therefore agree that you must take man as a whole, but this seems, at variance with the celebrated author's next sentence, and make morality and the mind the limit of physical improvement. If I were writing, I should use a word signifying the exact reverse, not limit but expansion, enlargement, multiplication, master or informing spirit as plato says the mind informs the body owns the body the body is the servant of the mind how can the owner and the master be the limit we must really pray for your conversion benjamin jowett to miss nightingale torquay october four what have i said to deserve such an outburst i have no wish to shake the foundation of society what i think about these matters is feebly expressed in a part of essay at the end of the introduction to the republic but when i come to a second edition i will express it better a comparison of the passage in the first and second editions of mr jowett's introduction respectively shows how largely he profited by the criticisms in the foregoing letter his Plato first appeared in 1871, and at once he began revising it. In this work Miss Nightingale gave him great help. Her Greek had now grown a little rusty, but her interest in the substance of Plato was intense. She annotated Mr. Jowett's summaries and introductions very closely, and sent him voluminous suggestions for revision. You are the best critic, he wrote, whom I ever had several of miss nightingale's notes are preserved in rough copy amongst her papers and by means of them her hand may be traced in many a page of mr jowett's revised work in the first edition of the introduction to the republic he made some remarks on love as a motive in poetry which excited miss nightingale's strong disapproval she agreed that the illusion of the feelings commonly called love was a motive of which too much had been made but the poets she thought had as yet hardly touched the theme of true love two in one and one in god as an incentive to heroic action the philosopher may be excused mr jowett had written if he imagines an age when poetry and sentiment have disappeared and truth has taken the place of imagination and the feelings of love are understood and estimated at their proper value take out that mean calumny my son wrote miss nightingale take it out this minute blaspheme not against love the offending sentence was expunged in the second edition mr jowett had gone on to blaspheme a little against art citing the mohammedans as a case of the state of the human mind in which all artistic representations are regarded as a false and imperfect expression either of the religious or of the philosophical ideal miss nightingale objected that the mohammedans had renounced the use of pictures and images but not of architecture mosques are the highest kind of art the one true representation of the one god the glory of god in the highest the most high of the most high higher than any christian art or architecture as you would say if you had seen the mosques of cairo mr jowett recast his passage and used miss nightingale's illustration almost in her words i am always stealing from you he said on his introduction to the gorgias she made an interesting criticism is not socrates more ineffably tiresome and at the same time does he not speak higher truth in the gorgias than anywhere else why call these higher truths paradoxes are not your sermons always a sort of apology for talking to them of god and why should your introductions be a sort of apology for recognising that socrates speaks the highest truth and no paradox have guarded statements whether about god or any particular moral or truth ever produced enthusiasm of religion or immorality is there any dialogue not even excepting the phaedo and crito where he is so much in earnest he is so terribly in earnest that towards the end he even throws all his dialectic aside and makes even Polus in earnest to me speaking as one of the stupid and ignorant it seems that your introduction dwells too much on the form of the gorgias and does not bring out in sufficiently striking relief the great truths which socrates labours so strenuously to enforce that he almost seems to lose himself in them these great moral truths are are they not one it is a greater evil to do than to suffer injustice if you call this a paradox why do you not call the fifty-third chapter of isaiah a paradox is it not the highest of truths two it is a greater evil not to be punished than to be punished for wrong i have no idea why you call this a paradox it follows from all the higher experience of the life of every one of us in family life i see it every day i see the spoilt child making himself and oftener herself and every one else miserable down to mature life or extreme old age though the punishments of my life have been somewhat severe yet i can bless god even in this world that never in all my life have i been allowed to do as i liked if the reader cares to take this passage to a comparison of the second with the first edition of mr jowett's introduction he will discover again how largely and closely miss nightingale's criticisms were accepted she dealt similarly giving precise references for every statement with the greater part of the dialogues in the phaedrus said mr jowett july twenty two eighteen seventy three i have put in most of what you suggested and made some additions you are quite right in thinking that i should get as much modern truth into the introductions as possible it is a great opportunity which i have had in view but not so clearly as since you wrote to me miss nightingale continued as in former years to send mr jowett suggestions for sermons i have written part of your sermon he wrote when she had sent him an outline of what she would like him to preach from the university pulpit when he became master of Balliol, he projected a special form for daily service in the college chapel and miss nightingale suggested a selection of passages from the psalms under the heads of god the lord god the judge god the father god the friend the way of the cross and so forth mr jowett had however to abandon the project in deference to superior authority another scheme was carried out in eighteen seventy three an edition of the bible appeared which has a history of some interest the school and children's bible it was called the name of the rev william rogers of bishop's gate appears on the title-page but the selection was in fact made for the most part by mr jowett with the help of some of his friends that mr swinburne was one of these friends we know from the poet's own recollections it is not generally known that the other principal collaborator with mr jowett was miss nightingale mr swinburne's help was in one respect disappointing i wanted you said mr jowett to him with a smile to help me to make this book smaller and you have persuaded me to make it much larger the poet who was complimented on his thorough familiarity with sundry parts of the sacred text thought that mr jowett had excluded too much of the prophetic and poetic elements not taking into account the delight that a child may take in things beyond the grasp of his perfect comprehension though not beyond the touch of his apprehensive or prehensile faculty miss nightingale whose familiarity with the bible was probably even closer and more extensive than mr swinburne's and with whom biblical criticism was a favourite study also wanted a great deal put in which mr jowett had left out but her instinct for edification led her to suggest equivalent omissions she took great pains with her suggestions illustrating them in letters to mr jowett with many characteristic remarks by the way it is impossible to keep up acquaintance with a man however otherwise estimable, who separates the twenty-six last chapters of Isaiah from Isaiah merely by a shabby little note and asterisk. Surely those chapters belong to the end of the Babylonish captivity and should be separated by a distinct division, while the shabby little note and asterisk might go to some isolated chapters, for example, thirteen, fourteen, among the first 39 which belong to the same time the end of the captivity whereas the first 39 chapters generally appear to belong to the middle ages of prophecy but as it may be judged inconvenient to put chapters 40 to 46 of isaiah in a different part of the bible i will concede that point and simply classify them i follow ewald's order but they must be under a separate heading with end of babylonian captivity or words to that effect printed distinctly under the heading not in a note more generally she criticised the first selection sent to her as showing some want of proportion there was no clear plan she thought as to the space to be given respectively to a matters of universal importance moral and spiritual for example the finest parts of isaiah jeremiah ezekiel and the new testament b matters of historical importance for example which embrace the history of great nations egypt assyria babylon the petty wars of the petty tribes seem to take up a quite disproportionate space c. Matters of local importance which have acquired a universal moral significance. For example, Jonah is entirely left out. Yet Jonah has a moral and spiritual meaning, while Samson, Balaam, and Bathsheba have none. d. Matters of merely local importance with no significance, but an immoral one. For example, the stories about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, almost all joshua and judges and very much of samuel and kings the story of achilles and his horses is far more fit for children than that of balaam and his ass which is only fit to be told to asses the stories of samson and of jephthah are only fit to be told to bulldogs and the story of bathsheba to be told to bathshebas yet we give all these stories to children as holy writ there are some things in homer we, we might better call holy writ many many in sophocles and aeschylus the stories about andromache and antigone are worth all the women in the old testament put together nay almost all the women in the bible i have just finished the children's bible wrote mr jowett february tenth eighteen seventy two i blessed you every time i took the papers up especially in the profits i have adopted your selection almost entirely with a slight abridgment and it is further approved by mr Cheney's authority these various literary enterprises undertaken at mr jowett's instance occupied a great deal of miss nightingale's time more time as she sometimes said to herself than could rightly be spared from primary duties and the time was spent she added in herself reproaches to little purpose in some respects mr jowett's suggestions to her were not very happy one cannot elaborate in a consecutive form a scheme of theology or a social philosophy even through the medium of essays in odd hours as a by-work so miss nightingale soon found and the failure weighed heavily on her spirits but mr jowett did not realize how great was the strain upon his friend's faculties involved in her nursing work nor how much time effort and emotion she was devoting though out of office to the complicated problems of indian administration we who have access to her papers shall learn the full extent of these preoccupations in later chapters three and four but something must first be said of another literary enterprise to it miss nightingale's close study of the bible and of plato was entirely relevant such studies were as we shall find in the next chapter part of the food which sustained her inner life End of Out of Office Literary Work Continued 4 and 5